Are you an entrepreneur with a million great ideas, but lack the direction, purpose, and aren't making the money you need to succeed? Well, if you answered yes to any of those questions, you ought to pay a visit to my friend Rebecca Irie in Austin, Texas. She's the founder of Blue Sky Business Consulting Group, where she works with visionary entrepreneurs to help them channel their visions and passions into power. She also refers to herself as the queen of radical accountability. And she joined me this week to provide the strategic tools necessary to act as a catalyst for your business transformation. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. I'll take a moment to welcome you to the program, and I'm excited uh, to learn all about Blue Sky Consulting with you this afternoon and what keeps you busy in life, business, and uh, in Austin, Texas. So great to see you, and uh, thanks so much for taking a few minutes this afternoon. It's a privilege. Thank you for inviting me, Kevin. Well, I, I founded Blue Sky Business Consulting Group to help visionary entrepreneurs after my husband um, suffered a rather devastating illness. He, he underwent a liver transplant and a leg amputation. So we had been business partners for 20 years. Um, my husband is a visionary entrepreneur, so I was very experienced with channeling many ideas into functional businesses. And so when he got sick, I realized that I was going to have to pivot. I still had six kids at home homeschooling them, and that was in 2017. And I knew that I had to do something different because my life partner, my husband of 22 years, was potentially not checking out. I wasn't really sure at that point. So um, I created Blue Sky Business to help other visionary entrepreneurs who have brilliant ideas, but sometimes don't execute as well as they dream. So we specialize in helping entrepreneurs realize the amazing dreams that they have. I asked Irie how her husband's health care helped her grow as an entrepreneur. Well, I had had the privilege of working with my husband and we had worked from home and chosen to homeschool for 20 years. So I was used to having that partnership and comradeship, if you will, through all of the strategies of business. So tackling my own venture 
was certainly an expansive project. It, it really challenged me on a number of levels, but the most fun part that I realized was that I had chosen to surround myself with many people who are of the same mentality as my husband. So lots of visionary entre entrepreneurs, many ideas, brilliant ideas, and, and trying to rein that in and, and get them to focus really made me so grateful that we had had so many children because having many children, well, you come from a relatively large family. So having many children sometimes is like herding cats. Like you're just trying to crowd them all in and get them going the same direction and, and get them to focus is, is a little bit of a challenge sometimes. So I was really grateful for that. And it helped me expand further and faster to help my clients. And you also say the worst thing that uh, visionary entrepreneurs uh, can do is not make money and you've got them covered. So can you expand a little bit on that for me? Of course. I think as, as an entrepreneur with a dream, you want to see that dream birthed into the world. You want to see it come to fruition. You want to help the people that you desire to help. So every day that goes by where that dream doesn't make progress is, is a day further that you are from that realization. And, and as visionaries who get ideas all of the time, we get discouraged and, and more appropriately, we get distracted. <laughs> we get distracted with the next 10 beautiful ideas we have. So having a business as quickly as possible go from beautiful dream to real reality that is serving clients and making money helps a visionary entrepreneur to focus on that vision longer, to help people faster. So I specialize in helping them put reverse engineered plans together so that they can take their dream, reverse engineer it to daily actions that get results, move the needle every day so that they don't get discouraged, but also don't get distracted, which is probably a bigger danger. Absolutely. And you also describe yourself as the radical queen of accountability. So I'm wondering why you gave yourself such a interesting and compelling title. <laughs> well, uh, you know, when you have many children, you, you, you live by the phrase, if mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. So queen was easy. That was an easy, put, I easy think one to put in there. all men live by that, uh, that uh, <laughs> moniker if they want to stay married, right? Well, you know, happy wife, happy life. That Absolutely. is probably the second of them, right? Um, so that part was easy. But what I have found is that as an entrepreneur, sometimes we don't share our big visions with anyone. Like our big dreams live right here between our ears. And that is also where our biggest terrorist lives, right? Like most entrepreneurs, if you ask us in the evening, well, what are you going to do tomorrow? Oh, we will weave you a beautiful picture of all the things we're going to get done. If you ask me at 5 a.m. when the alarm goes off what I'm going to get done, the picture might be significantly different. And because I don't tell those plans to anyone and I'm not really accountable to anyone but myself, I tend to negotiate with my inner terrorist and I don't get as much done as I would like to. And I think that's relatively common, at least in my experience with my clients, with entrepreneurs. We're, we're, we're visionaries. We want to see our visions made to life, but sometimes the, the grind is harder to manage, right? It's, it's hard work. It's relentless mastery. So with my clients, I work with them to develop annual, quarterly, 
monthly, weekly, all the way down to daily action steps. And then I keep them accountable. On, a, on the daily, they need to check in. And so that's radical accountability. You really have to be committed to someone else's success to say every day, I want to hear every day that you did what you do. And so that's, that's where the queen of radical accountability came. I got gotcha. you. I know you're also uh, passionate about uh, foster care, as you had mentioned before, you've got foster children. So I'm wondering where uh, that passion to make sure that adopted children have homes come from and what would be your message to anyone uh, considering adopting themselves? Sure. Well, we're a foster family. We're not foster to adopt. We just foster. Um, and originally, the, the idea to foster came from being a mother of many and realizing that if something were to happen to my husband or myself, because we had so many children, if, if it came to the fact that none of our family could take them, they would have to be separated. And so we really had a heart to keep sibling groups together and, and make sure that brothers and sisters were not separated to different families. Um, over the last six years, we've had, we actually have our 18th and 19th foster children wow. right now in our, in our home. And it has been a beautiful adventure. Um, I will tell you that of all of our foster children, up until the two that we have now, all of them have be, been able to go back to family, either their parents or um, family members, grandparents or aunts or uncles. So we've been blessed to be able to love them and care for them until their family was able to care for them. And these, these two that we have now, it looks like they will probably um, go to a lovely adopted family that is actually in a suburb close to us. So um, it's nice to see them have a stable forever family. I think kids, sometimes parents go through hard times and they're not the parents that they could be and should be. And so having other loving families available to say, hey, in, in our case, it is, we're rooting for you. Get your stuff together. And, and while you do that, know that your kids are safe and they're loved and they're, they're okay so that you can focus on yourself to get your, your parenting skills and your life together and that they'll, they'll be good when you're ready for them. And worst case scenario, that we can be that transition loving home for them into a new adoptive family. Um, I think it's a really... Um, intimidating thing to think about sometimes foster care, like the stories you hear of the kids or of fo even foster parents is, is really difficult. It's a hard thing to consider, but kids are kids and they need love. So I will tell you of, of all of the children we've had, we've had infants that came from, directly from the hospital that were addicted to cocaine, that were some of the loveliest, most well-behaved babies we've, we've ever had. We, we've had every specter of child in our home and, and they've all really just needed to be loved. They just need attention. So if you have that in your heart to, to give love to kids who really haven't had it because their parents probably weren't parented well and don't know how, I, I would really encourage you to, to give it a whirl. It's, it's a beautiful experience. Can fostering all those children really have a competitive business advantage? Ivory says yes. You know, when you care for foster children, you, you, 
you know, it, it almost is a Forrest Gump moment, right? You never know what you're going to get. And, and that's true. Like, you don't know who's coming to your door at midnight, what kind of kids you're going to get. And, and to a certain extent, business is that way. When, when you start a business and you start working with customers, you, you don't know what those people, what their life story is, what they're going through and why they react the way they do. So having the flexibility and the resilience to look at people with eyes of compassion, regardless of how they might act, like visionary entrepreneurs can sometimes come across as very flighty. Like, can you just settle down and focus on one thing? It's hard, but to understand and look at people with eyes of love and compassion makes all the difference. And to say, hey, I'm dedicated to your success. Let's figure this out together. That's something I learned from foster care and from mothering many children myself. And it certainly applies to a business perspective as well. And I know that you're big on helping uh, people find their strategic tools to success as a catalyst to business. So I'm wondering if you can expand a little bit on that for me. Sure. I, um, some of the tools that I've developed from, for my clients have come from my doctoral program. I'm in the midst of um, my doctorate. And in, in that study of how people deal with life and really achieve balance, um, has gone toward the creation of tools for my clients. Because if, if you're successful in one area of life, if you're madly successful in your career, but you wake up one day and you're 25 pounds heavier and your husband is ticked because he hasn't had a date in forever and your, your kids only see this because your face is behind your computer screen all the time, that's, that's not the way to live a successful life. So the tools that I've created for my clients um, based on that research that I'm doing for my doctorate is um, how to help them move the needle, but also maintain balance in their life. There are lots of people out there that would tell you, you need to work 27 hours a day, eight days a week, and that's how you be successful. Eh, that's, not, that's not my vision of success. And, and that, that particular price might be a little too high for me. Um, I want to know my kids. I want to live a full life and have business success. And I think you can do that. And I've created tools to make sure that my clients can do that. And what are, are some of those tools? What are three or five of those tools that you think any business owner can use? Sure. Um, the first tools um, that we use when I start working with a client, the, the biggest tool that we start with is getting clear about where you are. And so a lot of us, when we think about any area of our life, whether it's fitness or business or our relationships, it's hard to take a realistic look at where we're actually at. For instance, most women, if you ask them what the weight is on their driver's license, and I, am, I, am, I will tell you I'm totally guilty of this, that the weight that I put on my driver's license was the weight I was going to be. <laughs> it wasn't the weight I was. It was the weight I was going to be because I was going to start a workout program and I was going to be that weight, the weight that I was. So we're endlessly optimistic. And so being endlessly optimistic means that we don't often have a real clear picture of where we are. So the first tool that I would recommend is get super clear about where you are. If that's your business, how many people are on your list? How many viewers do you have of your YouTube channel or your podcast? How many people download? How many people leave reviews? Ask the hard questions about where you're really at. If it's health, how much do you... <laughs> How much do you really weigh? How when have you been to the doctor or the dentist or the chiropractor for real? Like these things matter eventually. So getting a clear picture of where you are is the first step. 
the second step would be getting a clear picture of where you want to go. So if you, if you don't know exactly where you want to go, any road will do. If you know exactly where you want, exactly. So, so many entrepreneurs, and I'm sure you've heard this, Kevin, will, will say, I just want to help people. I'm, I'm here to help people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help as many people as I can. Okay, that's great. How, how are you going to do that? Exactly. How do you help people? What is your purpose? What's your mission in life? Like I, I, I confess, Kevin, that I looked at your YouTube channel before we chatted and I was so inspired by your passion for journalism and how you described it as part of who you are. And the fact that you know that is the first step to knowing where you want to go in life. So first step is know where you are. Second step is know exactly where you want to go. The third step is know your metrics. Okay. So when it comes to fitness, for instance, maybe it's a particular weight, maybe it's a particular waist size. Maybe it's just how you feel. I want to feel good. I want to sleep well. So what, what are those things as, as entrepreneurs from a business standpoint, a lot of times we don't know our, our metrics. How many people joined my list yesterday? A list. <laughs> a lot of entrepreneurs are, I, I, I have no idea how many people joined yesterday. I'm lucky if I know where my list is and how people can get there. So that technical aspect of having something measurable really means something. Um, and then the, the, ne the last step that, that is really practical is to reverse engineer that. So you have your destination and you know where you are. Now reverse engineer your path back to where you are so that you know exactly what you need to do every day to get there. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I, what, what you just, just said, I, I would uh, compare that to defi defining your identity and then put, putting a game plan together to get it done, right? Sort of uh, making sure that you hold your own individual self accountable in any aspect of life. Sure, absolutely. And, and the hard part comes in, Kevin, is especially for entrepreneurs, is that we, we kind of suck at holding ourselves accountable. Like if we could hold ourselves accountable, we'd all be skinny and fit and have successful businesses. I mean, come on, we, we would, we're not good at it. And, and, so, uh, and endless money in the bank, right? Well, exactly. Right. <laughs> right. So, so that, you know, brings us for full circle back to radical accountability and having someone that you look in the eyes, that's not your, your husband or your wife, not your best friend, not someone who loves you and wants you to be happy. Because I'll tell you, my husband is the best man I've ever met. He loves me more and better than, I've, than I love myself. And that's the truth. But he's also the first person to give me excuses. He's, all, he's the first person to say, babe, you've been working so hard. Take a day off. You'll be fine. Have a little dessert. You deserve it. Okay, no, that's not going to get me to my goals. But he does that because he loves me. You need to be accountable to somebody in your life who can look you in the eyes that you commit to and you respect, who's going to call you out and say, no, you said you were going to do this. Why, why didn't you? And now we have to revamp your goals because you didn't do what you said you were going to do. And on the flip side, gives you all the kudos in the world when you actually do what you said you were going to do because you're one step closer to who you need to be to live your dreams. Absolutely. And you also describe yourself as... Uh, having unbelievable joy, but also knowing what it is to fail in business. So I'm wondering how you came uh, full circle as a uh, female uh, entrepreneur. So I started my first business when I was 12. 
So I've owned a few um, and they weren't all successful. Um, in 2009, my husband and I started a business, a food business. And um, it was born of passion, something that we were, we were very, I was a vegan chef and I made vegan, vegan desserts. And we had them, by the time we were done, we had them in grocery stores in about 500 stores around the United States and Canada. And it was the death of a thousand paper cuts. We were just us. We didn't have deep pockets. We didn't have investors. We didn't really know what we were doing. And it, it failed. I mean, it failed miserably, really, really badly. And it was hard. It was, it was hard to acknowledge that failure and to deal with the consequences of that failure, especially because it was something we were passionate about. Um, so to pick yourself back up after having tasted success in multiple businesses and then like really planting your face in the pavement, it wasn't a fun process. It was, it was hard and it took a lot of, it took time and, and a lot of work to come back from that. And to be here now is I, I recognize what a privilege it is to be able to help other entrepreneurs hopefully avoid some of the pitfalls that I have stepped hip deep into. So I have a follow-up to follow-up to that for you. So what do you think is the key uh, to business uh, perseverance? I think you know, there are a lot of people out there that say you're never a failure until you quit. But I will also tell you there's a time to quit. There's a time to, to know that this, this just isn't the time for this idea. It's not working. So knowing your metrics and knowing your boundaries, I would say that that is, is a big, big deal to know where you're at. And as long as you fall within your boundaries, then you keep going no matter what. You go no matter what, but when you hit that boundary, then you take time and really reassess seriously what you're doing and where you want to go. So perseverance, especially when it's, you know, it's who you are, it's the air you breathe, like you in journalism, Kevin, it's just, it's who you are. You can stop being a journalist. If you tried, you'd be, you'd be talking to people on the street if you weren't doing this. Uh, so, probably. <laughs> So um, remembering your mission. I talk to my clients a lot about why, why are you doing what you're doing? There are thousands of coaches out there. Why are you different than any other coach? There are millions of podcasters out there. Why is your podcast different? What, what makes you, what is, what is unique and special about you and what you're doing in the vehicle that you've chosen? And if you know that and you can remind yourself of that, it's easy to persevere because you know why you're doing what you're doing and you don't forget it. And it's easier to sell. I, well, that, that's true too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also curious to ask you about the importance of diversity, whether it be uh, having uh, the ability to come up with an idea and, the, and having the the wherewithal to diversify it through uh, multiple channels, right? Because then uh, you can make maximum profits, but you also don't want to extend yourself so thin that it loses its 
effectiveness. So I'm just wondering your uh, thoughts on that notion as well. Sure. I think um, the, the hardest thing to say to any entrepreneur is not right now. Yes, but not now. Because, you know, there's such a thing as shiny object syndrome, right? If, if you have a passion for writing and someone says, well, what you really need to do is you really need to have a podcast. <laughs> so you think, well, I'll write and I'll have a podcast. And then someone comes along and says, well, what you really need to do is you need to have a YouTube channel. So you think, well, well, I'll write and I'll have a podcast and I'll have a YouTube channel too. And all of a sudden you're not doing any of them well because you're too, you're too stretched out. So you're right. There is a need to diversify and, and there's, there's joy and adventure in diversification. But that your first question of perseverance applies first. Choose, choose your vehicle and become successful in your vehicle. And set your metric, right? Maybe you say, when I have 10,000 people reading my blog, I will move to podcast. So you've achieved competence and success in one channel. Then you have the, the mental and energetic capacity to take on another channel. So don't rush yourself. You can do all things, not all at once. Uh, yeah, and you've proven the, the concept, right? Right. A lot of business owners have great ideas, but they don't know how to conceptualize it into a concept that works, right? So Very true. So, And I'm also curious to know, when you have five to ten minutes to yourself, how do you find your inner self, Rebecca? Um, it depends depends. I tend to be a sprinter with my passions. So um, most recently I have gotten into acrylic oils and painting, uh, pouring actually, not painting because I can't paint. But <laughs> but there's this beautiful technique of just pouring the paint and then you use a flame and I love fire. So, you know, you get mess and paint and fire. So it makes these beautiful pictures and I, there's always something artsy that I, I love to pour myself into, whether it's, I've done quilts, I've done painting, I've done, when we moved to Texas, I made a whole big, like five by four picture of the state of Texas made out of bullet, bullet shells. That took a while. That's creative. <laughs> oh, something. So, so tell me what's the best part for uh, you living in Austin? I love Texas. So I was raised in South Dakota and I married a Minnesotan. So I spent most of my adult life in the fridge. And now you're in Texas. And now I'm in Texas. It took me 20 years to convince my husband to come to Texas. Um, I, I love it. I love everything about it. I love that it's, you know, it'll be 65 this afternoon. I love that the grass is still green. I, I love everything about I love the people. I love that all the kids say yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. I love it. I love everything about it, except for the bugs. Like that is something that I didn't expect. So you being in Canada and me being from Minnesota for 20 years, you know, that freeze, it kills everything. Well, that doesn't uh -huh. happen in the South. So the scorpions and the fire ants and the chiggers, what is a chigger? I didn't even know what a chigger was when I moved here. No, it's bad. The bugs are bad. Everything else is brilliant. I love it. Well, you, you can't have everything, I guess. Huh? Well, I suppose not. Not this side of heaven. So Rebecca, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that uh, most effectively? You can find me on Facebook at Blue Sky Business. You can find me at beyondaccountabilitymovement.com. 
And that will give you all the details on our services. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Rebecca Irie at LinkedIn. That's how I found you. So yeah, That's how you found me. I know that you have an active uh, uh, pro profile and presence there, but I really want to thank you for taking a few minutes to uh, sit down to talk with me. I know that our birthdays are a month apart. Mine's next Friday and yours is February uh, 15th. So I'm going to yes. wish you a happy early birthday and thank you for joining me this afternoon. It's most appreciated. And to you as well, happy birthday. And thank you again for having me. It's been a, pr a pleasure. Fantastic.